Hey, it's Aaron, and this is 31 Nights of Scary Shit. Hey, friends. Back for another episode, and I am super pumped to talk to you about my trip to the S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner, Massachusetts. So a couple weeks back, I did an episode about the history of the S.K. Pierce Mansion, and I believe that was episode 131. So if you didn't catch that episode, go back and listen to it. If you did catch that episode, then you know a little bit about it. So originally I had tried to stop in, but I didn't have a reservation, so I was turned away. But yesterday I went for a tour and I have to say it was really cool. While nothing really crazy happened, I wouldn't say I was scared, didn't really have a paranormal kind of experience, really. But what I will say is, you can definitely tell it's an old home. I definitely could sense different energies in the house. Um, I definitely felt spots that were unusually much colder than other spots in the house. Um, And just really overall, just just a really, really cool experience. One of my favorite things about the house was the wallpaper. Um, One room has velvet wallpaper. It is really cool. It's so beautiful inside. Um, And just, you know, overall, just a really uh, cool experience. Um, The house was renovated uh, and recently even underwent even more renovations to the outside. And... Inside, there are some pieces that are original. Um, most of the furniture in the house is not original, but it kind of looks like it like it could be. So um, definitely the furniture and the decor in the house is made to look as if it belongs, you know, in a Victorian house. But um, it was a really fun experience. Toward the basement. We toured every room in the house. We went up to the, um, to the I guess you call it the tower, where you can... Uh, get a get a whole view kind of of, of the town. And um, just, I really enjoyed myself. They are going to be opening as a bed and breakfast sometime in 2023. So much like other places like Lizzie Borden House and now the Conjuring House, you can go there and, and stay overnight. And I am totally down with doing that. Um, if only I can get some spooky friends to agree to go with me. I don't know. Um, but I think I've mentioned before that the next on my to-do list is to go to the Conjuring House, um, and they offer some different sort of experiences. You can just do the standard, you know, just kind of stay overnight like Lizzie Borden House, but then there are different things you can do. So if you have a group of people and you want to do, you know, like paranormal investigations, there are different things that they offer depending on how many people you have and what you're willing to pay. So that is something that I see in my near future. Um, but yeah, you know, again, nothing really scary happened yesterday. But, you know, when when I watch those ghost hunting shows and they talk about, oh, it's really cold over here. It's really true. Because I definitely experienced that sensation of things getting unusually cold. Um, when I stood over S.K. Pierce's, uh, the bed in S.K. Pierce's bedroom... I definitely felt a temperature change. I mean, it was it was pretty cold over that bed. 
Um, you know, when we'd walk into different rooms, you could you could feel energy changes. Um, the one room in particular that they called the red room, um, people who go in there sometimes have a hard time breathing. Um, the air kind of changes in there. Now, I did not have a hard time breathing, but our tour guide said that it's more difficult for her to breathe in there. And there have been cases where people had to leave the tour because their breathing became so compromised. And a few people on, on our tour noticed it too. There definitely was a different energy in that room. It did feel kind of, you know, a bit more oppressive, but you know, as far as an old house goes, you know, old homes, old, old houses are stuffy and, and there are variations in temperatures, but I definitely could feel at times kind of different energy changes. So um, again, you know, cool place to go if you're in the area, uh, if you live in Massachusetts or you're visiting Massachusetts. So it's in uh, Gardner. Gardner is the name of the town. Um, and if you have, uh, if you, if you are new to listening to the podcast, please go ahead and like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at 31 nights of scary shit. If you like to send an email to uh, 31 nights of scary shit at gmail.com. I am open to suggestions about things to cover. Um, even if you just want to drop a line and say hi, but um, if you have any ideas of something that you think I could cover, investigate, um, I've been doing a lot of paranormal stuff lately. And I mentioned, I think in my last episode that I would like to keep 31 Nights of Scary Shit as sort of the podcast for the scary, spooky kind of things, or even like cryptid kind of things or UFO kind of things. And I am pondering starting a second podcast in which I would just cover murders um, and other crimes. So um, right now I'm just really kind of digging the paranormal. New England is a great place to be if you're into the paranormal. There's so many things that are spooky and haunted. Um, hotels, restaurants, um, you know, it's just it's just the land of haunted attractions. Um, so, like I said, great place for me. Absolutely great place for me. So, what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to talk about an alleged vampire. A vampire of... Rhode Island, actually, um, a woman who was considered the first female vampire. And um, her story has inspired other vampire stories. You may have heard of it before. Um, and that would be the story of Mercy Brown. Um, the story is actually really sad. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tragic story because uh, of a family that that suffers a uh, great loss. So, um, more so than, than I view this as a vampire story. It's just really a sad and tragic story. As recent as the 19th century, many people believe that vampires were undead who actually walked among us and fed on the blood of the living. In 1896, an article in the Boston Globe portrayed how prevalent people's fears of vampires were. Cases of TB or tuberculosis, um, we're kind of at the, the root of some uh, misunderstandings. Um, so we're going to talk a bit about how the misunderstanding of that led to, um, you know, folklore being taken a bit too seriously. So cases of tuberculosis um, were prevalent um, and almost always fatal. And 
you know, they declined steadily as hygiene improved at the onset of the 20th century. But in 1947, streptomycin um, was an antibiotic that was developed to treat TB. By 1954, a vaccine was developed. So thank goodness for science. Um, so again, like I said, the Mercy Brown uh, vampire story, it's rooted in a misunderstanding of tuberculosis in the 19th century. And if you just heard that meow, that is barley. That is the beloved cat that I have been sitting for the last five months, no, five weeks. And um, it's a little bit later at night. So this is sort of his time where he's out and about. So if you <laughs> if you hear some meowing, you're not crazy. There's nothing, uh, there's, there's no haunting going on here. That is a real live cat who has decided to come out and uh, be very vocal right now. Um, where was I? Okay. So even though Dr. Robert uh, Koch, capital K-O-C-H, or Koch, had discovered um, the bacteria that caused tuberculosis in 1882, it still took years for people to put their faith in science regarding the treatment of tuberculosis. So as I said, tuberculosis was mostly fatal to anyone that contracted it in the 19th century. The prescriptive treatment was to eat well, rest, and get exercise. Well, that didn't work. Symptoms of tuberculosis include fatigue, night sweats, coughing up, phlegm, um, and sometimes blood, and weight loss. And because weight loss was a common symptom, this led to the belief that life was literally being sucked out of the body. And one can see how this analogy was born. Okay, so I don't know if you know anything about the town of Exeter in Rhode Island. It is in Washington County. It was founded in 1742, and it extends from the Connecticut border to Kingstown, Rhode Island. It's known now as a quaint and charming little town, but it was the site of a vampire panic back in the late 1800s. So we had satanic panic in the 1980s and 90s, and in the 1880s and 90s, there was a vampire panic in uh, New England. George and Mary Brown settled in Exeter in Rhode Island with their three children. Mary fell ill with consumption, or TB, in 1884, and she died quickly. Mary Olive, the daughter, died of consumption in 1888, and then Edwin contracted the disease in 1891, but he did not die right away. First, Edwin went to Colorado Springs in the hopes of healing, but he returned in 1892, even in worse condition. Meanwhile, his sister Mercy Lena Brown was 19 when she contracted tuberculosis in 1892 and died. So again, um, as the disease was not understood, there were villagers, very superstitious villagers, who believed that um, the deaths of the three Brown family members meant that something sinister was going on. So it was common folklore that... Um, there were dead walking among them that, that could possibly be sucking the life force out of people who were ill. And some uh, local townspeople convinced uh, George Brown to have the bodies of his wife and, and daughter daughters exhumed. Um, so in, in order to see if any of the deceased were possibly um, responsible for, so as I said, Edwin, the son became ill, but he didn't die right away. He was suffering. Um, 
So a doctor named Harold Metcalf supervised the exhumation of George Brown's wife, Mary, and their daughter, um, Mary Olive, I guess. All right, where am I? I keep losing my place. I'm so sorry. All right, so the bodies, um, when they were exhumed, were found to be decayed, okay, as one would expect. Um, and it was determined then that, you know, they would not be the cause of Edwin's illness since they were decayed. There was no evidence that, that they could be sucking the life force, you know, out of him. Um, however, when Mercy, when Mercy was exhumed, they found that her body was pretty much preserved. Now she was buried in very cold, in the cold months. Um, and essentially she had been kept in a crypt and her body was frozen. So it wasn't all that unusual that her body would be preserved. Okay. But folklore, you know, is going to win out over, over the, the scientific explanation. So villagers again, convinced George Brown that Mercy was a vampire and that she was in fact sucking the life force out of Edwin. She was the cause of his illness. So this is going to sound really crazy and bizarre, but according to the folklore, the procedure then, once the vampire was identified, was to cut out the heart and to burn it and to uh, feed the ashes to the afflicted person. I also want to mention that Mercy um, was found to still have liquid blood in her heart and in her liver. And it was said that her, her body was in a different position th- than what she was buried than the way she was buried. And that it seemed that her hair and her nails had grown. I don't know how true that is. That could have been added. Okay. But again, the scientific explanation was not accepted. It was that, you know, Oh, she's a vampire. She's the cause of the illness. So, um, poor Edwin, you know, was given the concoction of the ashes and, um, he did not get better. He died a few months later. Um, to add to this, villagers claim to have seen Mercy Brown wandering through the graveyard in the fields at night. Well, isn't that convenient? You know, to say that after the fact. George Brown, um, Oh, I'm sorry. The doctor, you know, as I said, Dr. Harold Metcalf, who supervised the exhumation, really did try to dispel all this talk of, you know, Mercy being a vampire, but no, it did not work. Um, Mercy Brown's case was not uncommon. So hers was not the first corpse to be dug up in order to remove organs and have them burnt, as I said. So I know that sounds absolutely outrageous, but not the first incidence. Um... So you're probably maybe wondering, where is Mercy Brown buried? So I will tell you. Mercy Brown is buried at the Chestnut Hill Cemetery. And of course, it has been the site of reported paranormal activity. Um, Rhode Island earned a reputation for being the vampire capital of the world between 1870 and 1900. The comparison was even drawn between the villages in Rhode Island and the um, villages in Transylvania. Now, I can't attest to that at all because I really don't know what villages in Transylvania look like. I haven't even seen that much of Rhode Island, so I'm not really sure. 
The Mercy Brown incident has served as the inspiration for some famous vampire tales. For example, it's likely Mercy Brown was the inspiration for the character of Lucy Wistenra in Bram Stoker's Dracula. When Bram Stoker died in 1897, newspaper accounts of the Mercy Brown case were found in his files. Other tales inspired by Mercy's story include Caitlin R. Kiernan's short story, So Runs the World Away, H.P. Lovecraft's The Shunned House, and Sarah L. Thompson's Mercy, The Last New England Vampire. And, you know, I haven't read any of those. Um, But you know what? Maybe I will. So we can't talk about Mercy Brown without talking about Nellie L. Vaughn, another alleged Rhode Island vampire. Nellie was from West Greenwich, and she was also 19 when she died. Nellie's grave is supposedly cursed. Despite attempts to plant vegetation, no vegetation or algae grows around Nellie's grave. The inscription on Nellie's grave is chilling. It says, I am waiting and watching for you. So you might be wondering, do people go to visit Mercy Brown's grave? Well, indeed, they do. And yes, of course, I would love to go there as well. Number one, I love a cemetery. I I definitely love a haunted cemetery. So yes, totally on my list of, of places to go. Mercy's grave is in a small cemetery behind a Baptist church off of Tenrod Hill and Chestnut Hill. Mercy, or I'm sorry, Tenrod Road. I'm sorry. Mercy's grave is reinforced with a metal band connected to a post embedded in the ground so that no one can steal the grave. And directly across from the cemetery is a small triangular stone building, which is presumably the crypt where Mercy's body was originally kept. There's also another alleged vampire buried in the vicinity named Sarah Tillinghast. Um, And when I decide to make the journey to Rhode Island, I can kill two birds with one stone because I can visit Chestnut Hill Cemetery and also the Conjuring House. So, um, you know, I find it interesting, you know, since I've been up here in New England, of course, it's the land of, you know, the Salem witch trials. And, you know, I just find it interesting um, the folklore like this that carried on almost well into the you know, 20th century, I did not know anything about this sort of vampire uh, panic kind of thing. And I also didn't know that there was an established first female vampire. So um, that intrigues me. Um, But again, I think this is, I mean, it's a sad story. I mean, you know, this is a family that, you know, the, the uh, poor George, um, you know, George Brown, he lost his wife and and all three of his children. So, I mean, just really incredibly sad. Um, But you can understand how, people being so terrified of the, of this mysterious thing that was killing people, why they would strive to make up a story that, that would help them understand it. So you can see how these things happen, but you know, just what a really, um, you know, sad, tragic story that this is, you know, this young 19 year old girl and, um, you know, now she's this alleged, you know, vampirist that, that lives in infamy. So, um, but you know what, again, I love, legends and folklores and i think it's worth taking a trip you know over over to that grave site um and when i do i'm sure i'll let you know about it so as i you know mentioned before i'm always looking for ideas of things to cover on the podcast 
there's no shortage of spooky things, like I said, that I can research up here in good old uh, New England. But if you know of something, something personally has happened to you, um, a friend, a family member, even if it's a stranger, please feel free to send a message to 30 nights of scary shit at gmail.com. Um, I also would love it if, you know, I could do an episode uh, telling listener stories. Um, haven't done that in a long time. Only did a couple of those episodes. That would be fabulous. Would love it. Um, and if you haven't already done so, please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at 30 Nights of Scary Shit. And um, like I said, really trying to figure out um, how I can branch off and start um, another podcast where I can focus specifically on crime and kind of keep, like I said, 30 Nights of Scary Shit is more the, you know, let's do the the haunting and paranormal kind of stuff. Um, so friends, I'm hoping that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, I forgot to mention that straight out, straight out at the beginning of the episode. Um, we got Christmas season coming up and, um, kind of excited about that. This is going to be my first winter in in New England. So I don't know what that's going to bring, but I think it's going to be really cool. I think it's going to be really beautiful beautiful snow, um, in Massachusetts. And, um, and on the next episode, I think I'm going to have some news about some updates in my life, some good things that, that are happening. Um, but I don't want to be premature. Um, but I'm thinking there's going to be some changes, some changes for the better involving kind of what I'm going to be doing, um, for a job and also where I'm going to be living. So, um, kind of looking, looking forward to that. So I hope that you all enjoy your, your week and just remember to stay spooky.